أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام غلبت الروم في أدنى الأرض وهم من بعد غلبهم سيغلبون في بضع سنين لله الأمر من قبل ومن بعد ويومئذ يفرح المؤمنون رب شح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم ما بعد ونسجن السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We are now uh, going through a quick journey of Surah Al-Rum the 30th Surah I wanted to make mention about something about these four surahs that we're going to be going through, or we've gone through one of them. There's Ankabut, then there's Rum, then there's Luqman, and then there's Sajda. There's four surahs in a row that are similar to one another, except the first of this, meaning Surah Al-Ankabut, you'll find some subject matter that is really close to the subject matter of Surah Luqman. So it skips one. So 29 is similar in some ways to 31. And 30 is similar in some ways to 32. So they, they have this like jump. Even though there's parallels between the previous surah and subject matter is tied also, but we'll find some interesting correlations between these skips. So 29 and 31, and then 30 and 32. They have similar uh, subject matter. Okay. So this surah is a really interesting uh, revelation that came to the Prophet ﷺ in the fifth year. So he, the Prophet is 45 years old at this point, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And this is the fifth year of prophethood. So Islam is being uh, uh, spread and Quran is being revealed for now a total of five years. And the surah begins, Rome was dominated. Rome was overcome. Ghalaba, to overcome somebody. So Rome was overcome. It's used as a phrase in the Arabic language to, and of course this is after alif lam mim. Rome was overcome. Uh, it's used in the Arabic language when a nation it loses to another nation in war. So who won? The, the nation that won is Ghalib, and the nation that lost is Maghlub. So Ghuliba is the, the passive form, meaning that Rome lost in war. That's what that means. For several hundred years before, on the Persian side you have Cyrus, Kekhoras, which some believe was Dhulqarnain, the first one. And after him also the, the dynasty continued and Sometime after, there was another, the second Cyrus around this time uh, that expanded the Roman, or the Persian, sorry, uh, empire. On the other side, you had the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire converted to Christianity, you know, about, uh, you know, 70 years after Isa alayhi salam, like AD, they destroyed Jerusalem. The Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem. They were not Christians at the time. But after that, you know, this is about 300 years since then, uh, they had become Christians, and Jerusalem was rebuilt. So Jerusalem was earlier, it was completely destroyed. And when they rebuilt it, uh, their, their king actually, uh, Hadrian, I think it was the name, or Hadrin, he, built, he rebuilt it, and not only did he rebuild it, he renamed it Elia. He rebuilt Jerusalem and renamed it Elia. And this became a sacred place for the Christians, before it had been a sacred place for the Jews, but now it was a sacred capital for the Christians, and the Jews were still in exile. They were still kept out. And so when he had the, this rule over uh, the territory, it became a strategic location. And by means of it also, they took over some parts of Turkey. 
and the western coast. So the Persians and the Romans kind of went seesaw. They were in these constant struggles among, against one another. And the, the territory they were fighting over was this central piece, Turkey, Syria, you know, uh, Philistine, this region and the coast. Sometimes the Romans would win, sometimes the Persians would win, but they were going back and forth. This has been happening from, especially in the, when the Prophet is born, so I said, he's born 571, and from 602 to 614. So these 13, 14 years, the Romans and the Persians were engaged in a prolonged war, which eventually was won by the Persians. The Persians eventually had the upper hand, and so much so that they took over Jerusalem. And so much so that they almost took over all of Turkey and even Constantinople, which was a major capital of the Roman Empire, was almost fell. So there was a pretty big blow, unlike usual, you know, back and forths were always there, but this was a pretty bad one for the Romans. They were dealt a pretty strong hand by the Persians. And so this world event was happening right around the corner from Arabia. And of course, news came. And the Arabs wanted anything at all to, be, to use as a means of trash talk against the Muslims. And they said, ah, see, the Romans, they worship fire. And they worship idols, just like us. So it's, we're rooting for them. And the, Persia, and the, the Romans, sorry, the, the, the Persians do that, the Zoroastrians, the Iranis. And the Rumiyun, the, the Romans, they're the ones that are Christians. And they believe in books and prophets, like you guys do. So your team lost, and our team won. So they started trash-talking to the Muslims. Now understand, this is the fifth year, which means the Prophet ﷺ has not yet engaged in direct discourse too much at all with the Christian community. And the Muslims are very optimistic about the Christians and the Jews becoming Muslim. Are you optimistic that they're just going to accept what you're saying? Even Quran talked about the optimism of the Muslims why were they so optimistic? It didn't work out that way, obviously. But why were they so optimistic? They were optimistic because these people are people of revelation. When we talk to the mushrikun about prophets and angels and afterlife and books, they're like, what are you talking about? We, like the pharaohs said, we didn't hear of this in our ancestors. What are you talking about? But the, the Muslims thought when we take this book, to the Christians and the Jews, because they believe in these prophets and this message already, they're going to see this as a confirmation. And of course, to some extent, that is true. The tribes of, you know, Aus and Khazraj came easily into Islam. That wasn't a big deal. Why? Because they saw the truth in it and saw a confirmation of previous revelation. So by extension, the Muslims did feel a kind of solidarity with the Christian community. Early Muslims saw, saw themselves, and it was kind of the Olympics of that time the battle between the Romans and the Persians. I know I mix up when I speak a lot, but that's what I mean. The Romans and the Persians fighting each other. So Mushrikun are siding with the Persians, and the Muslims are siding with the Romans. But when the, Muslims, when the Romans are defeated so badly, the Mushrikun go around saying to the Muslims, Aha, your team lost. See that? Allah uses that as an opportunity to share a miracle of the Qur'an with all of Arabia. Allah makes a comment like a news event. Rome was in fact dominated. You're right. In nearby land. In the closest territory. I mean, this is right there. What did we learn at the end of the previous surah? Haven't you realized people are picked off right around you? Major events are happening right around you and you don't even 
like realize, and now, we, oh, speaking of people being picked off and violence, Rome just got dominated, and you guys are still at peace. <laughs> and it's not that it happened far away, fi adna al-ard, in the closest of the land. Adna is used for closest, aqrab al-ard. And this is used before also we read, إِذْ أَنْتُمْ بِالْعُدْوَةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ بِالْعُدْوَةِ الْقُسْوَى أَقْسَى قُسْوَى Far away. Adna dunya, close by. This is in the Battle of Badr, when you were in the close by. And they were on the far end of the field. عُدْوَةِ الدُّنْيَا عُدْوَةِ الْقُسْوَى So, فِي أَدْنَى الْأَرْضِ In the closest by land. وَهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ غَلَبِهِمْ سَيَغْلِبُونَ And even after they have been dominated in this way, they are going to come back on top again. They are after their defeat. And even after that kind of crushing defeat, they are going to be dominant again. And the Meccans are like, what? Have you seen what happened to them? They lost Jerusalem. They've lost huge parts of Turkey. They've lost in a way they've never lost before these Romans. They're not coming back. There's no way. Quran says, soon they'll come back. Then, they're so confident the Muslims were that somebody came to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and said, I'll, I'll bet you, I'll bet you they won't make a comeback. And Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, and up, up until now, betting wasn't haram yet. So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq says, you're on. Ten camels. Let's do this. Three years, they'll be done. So he just said, within three years, they'll be back. But the ayah after says, fi bid'i sinin, in a number of years. Now the number, the word for number here is bid'a. Bid'a actually means three to nine. In Arabic, bid'a means a number from three to nine. So the Prophet told Abu Bakr, no, actually change the bet. Change it to how many? Up to nine years and increase the wager, make more camels. So like a hundred camels. And go, let's, let's see what happens. Now this is the fifth year. Nine years later, this will be the fourteenth year of Revelation. Nine years later exactly, the Romans made a comeback and defeated the Persians like never before. Exactly after nine. This is a major historical event. This surah was revealed nine years before the fact. Nobody was saying what the Qur'an was saying. Even the Romans weren't saying what the Qur'an was saying. And the Qur'an said, فِي بِدْعِ سِنِينَ لِلَّهِ الْأَمْرِ Allah alone owns the decision. مِنْ قَبْلُ وَمِنْ بَعْدُ Which, Much way before this ever happened, and way after this event. Allah controls all events. وَيَوْمَ إِذِنْ This is the really important part and a really awesome part. And on that day, the day on which the Romans win, Believers are going to be overjoyed. Believers are going to be so, 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 so happy. Wait a second. Believers are going to be so, so happy. In nine years from now, will Muslims have dealt with the Christians and the Jews? Yes. And if they've dealt with the Christians and the Jews, will they have some disappointments already? Will they not see that they are separate? So why will the believers be overly joyed? Nine years from now, there's going to be a battle in Mecca called Badr. And in that battle, who is going to win? The Muslims. At the same time, the, the Romans won against the Persians, identically the same time the Muslims defeated the Quraysh and the believers are overjoyed. Allah called the victory of Badr nine years in advance. And the Sahaba may not even have known on that day we're going to be overjoyed. They thought that overjoyous occasion will just be the dominance of Rome. But when they get there, like, oh, that's what Allah said. Subhanallah. Hada ma wa rasuluhu. 
Binasrillah, by the help of Allah. Mada qal fil badr? Fi ghazbat badr. Walaqad nasarakumullahu bi badrin wa antum adhillah. Allah aided you at the occasion of Badr. By the aid of Allah, Yansuru Mayyasha, He aids whoever He wants. Rahim, and He's the ultimate authority, always merciful. The promise of Allah you heard? Mansub, Ikhra. This is the promise of Allah. He does not go back on His promise. However, most people don't have a clue, they don't know. All they see is the obvious, the seen, the outwardly of worldly life. They only see the shallow analysis of events. They see the seen cause and effect. They don't know what's going on in the unseen realm. And because they only know the, the outside of things, the, the afterlife, which is, a com is completely in the unseen, they are completely heedless of it. غافل, to be heedless, to not be, to be oblivious to something. Didn't they engage in deep thought, deep within themselves? In whatever Allah created in the skies, you know, uh, uh, how, how awesomely Allah created the skies, the earth, and whatever's uh, between them, and He didn't create any of them illa bilhaq, except that it have, has a purpose. Everything has a purpose, meaning perhaps even some, some even like Fakhruddin Razi would even go as far as to say that this battle between Romans and Persians and the Romans losing and then Romans coming back and winning again, all of this, the purpose of it is a couple of ayat. So that a couple of ayat could be revealed. The ayat are more important, that's more purposeful than the entire scene. So Allah created that entire scene so these ayat could be there, these treasures could be there, subhanAllah. We didn't create all of these things except with a well-named deadline. So two things. Allah didn't create the skies and the earth and whatever's in between them at all, except that He made them with a purpose and except that He made them with a deadline, with an expiration date. And that expiration date is well-named, musamman. Musamman means declared. It also means well-named. It's got lots of names. Judgment day, the final day, the day of winning and losing. Etc. But the fact of the matter is, and, and for sure the case is that a huge multitude of people, especially when it comes to meeting with their master, they are in complete denial. The, the last surah also, Surah Al Ankabut, beginning and ending, Man kana yarju liqa Allah. Okay. And in this surah also, they're in, in, when it comes to meeting with their master, they are in complete denial. Didn't they go around in the land and take a look themselves? What became, what was the outcome of those who came way before them? They were so much more powerful than these guys are. They were far more intense in their power than these guys are. And they used to till the land. Athara to lift something up, like you put the till or the rake or something into the soil and you pull the soil up, you're tearing the earth up and digging it out, pulling it out. This is athara, itharatun. Atharul ard, this is also used in Baqarah, la tuthirul ard wa la tasqil harth. It doesn't till the soil. So it means they were agricultural communities. Their, their soil used to produce vegetation and they made full use of it. You know, and back in the day, what was the great economy? Agriculture. 
That was the great economy. Before factories and offices and all this stuff, the real, you know, the, the real enticing uh, quality to a land that people would want to invade is its agricultural value. Wa and they built on top of it. To give life to the land is Amara. Amara also means to build a home. Imara, Imara, a tall building. So they built civilizations, monuments, structures, towers. Akthara mimma amaruha, way more than these guys. Makkans have built anything. What if you? What technology do you have? What's the tallest structures you have? Wajaatum rusuluhum bil bayinati, and their messengers came to them with the clearest proofs, clearest self-evident truths. From akala Allahu liyafzimahum, Allah wasn't ever going to be one to wrong them. Allah would never be. It would never be becoming of Allah to do, do wrong by them. وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَظْلِمُونَ However, they used to wrong their own selves. ثُمَّ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ أَسَاءُوا السُّوءَ سُوءَ Grammar students is actually فُعْلَى Like أَسَاءُوا أَسْوَأُوا سُوءَ Like أَحْسَنُوا حُسْنَى أَحْسَنُ is حُسْنَى And أَسْوَأُوا is سُوءَى And that's why there's an alif maqsura at the end. Okay? So the, the, well, then the outcome of those who engaged in the worst forms of evil, and what, what is the worst form of evil? Let me explain. And that is to say that they, uh, uh, they, they called the ayat of Allah, the revelations of Allah, a lie, and they used to poke fun at the revelations of Allah. Allahu yabda'ul khalq. Allah is the one who starts creation off. He gives creation its beginning. What did, we saw, what did we see in the previous discussion? كَيْفَ بَدَأَ الْخَلْقِ How did he? فَانْظُرُوا كَيْفَ بَدَأَ الْخَلْقِ Take a look yourself. How did Allah start creation? Allahu يَبْدَأُ الْخَلْقِ ثُمَّ Allah in fact, He's the one that starts creation. And He's the one that brings it back. ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ Then to Him alone, you are all going to be returned. You know what's fascinating to me? The coherence, the sequencing of the Qur'an, very little work has been done on it. Like, with regards to our history, very little work has been done on it. And it's such a fascinating subject. How things are alluded to in one surah, and then they're brought up again in the next surah, and kind of left halfway in one surah, and then completed in the next surah. And inshallah ta'ala, I hope that uh, when, you know, when this series is over, one of the areas that I'd like to like, research with a couple of scholars and produce something on is just the coherence of the Qur'an in English. Just beginning to end how things are tied to each other, as many observations as we can collect, inshallah, in a systematic way. Because this is one of the things in the Qur'an that's not self-evident to a translation reader. It's very difficult to see, like, interconnections. I share some with you here and there, but this is not the forum to share all of them. Like, to engage in a formal study of how this surah is tied to the next, tied to the next, tied to the next. I kind of make some isharat, some indications, some hints. But this study brings out a new light to the Qur'an and brings out a new beauty to the Qur'an. Actually, the other night, uh, I was up until one. I shouldn't have been. I was up until one, and I was just telling my wife something. And she said, why don't you write that down? And I said, because I never write things down. She said, just write it down. She went to sleep. I was mad. But then I, I'm sitting at 1 o'clock writing something down. I wrote about 36 things down. 36 comparisons between two surahs. Um, it was like two nights ago. Maybe I'll share that with you. But I found it fascinating. Like it just kept, like more and more stuff just kept popping out. 
and inshallah, it's not between these two surahs. It's surahs that, that shall not be named at this point, inshallah. <laughs> but um, regardless, I was pretty fascinated by that stuff. And I, and I think that opens doors to really like a dimension of Quran studies that would even be uh, interesting to non-Muslims. It would create a curiosity into, really? That's in the Quran? Let me try to, you know. And then when somebody reads the Quran with whatever intention, you know, you know you're going to take a dip in the, in the river, some water might go in. Something might go You never know. So that's what the word of Allah does, you know. So uh, hopefully, inshallah, as, as the years go by now, my, my plan is to start producing more and more stuff in writing and in, in lecture form that enhances Qur'an studies. Like this, this series is supposed to be like an introduction. Like let's get the Qur'an at least somewhat introduced from beginning to end. But then let's study the Qur'an. And, um, and my point of view is let's not just repeat what's been said before, which is important to understand tradition, but to explore the beauty of the Qur'an that can be, ex that can be explained to modern audiences. So take the tradition and then present it in a way that's you know, digestible to the rest of the world. And of course, the first obvious audience is Muslims. Most Muslims don't know the Arabic language, and though they should, and inshallah we'll try to make that easy on them too, that doesn't mean they should be missing out on this stuff until they learn Arabic. Every Muslim has a right to know what makes the Qur'an beautiful, and has a right to engage in reflection on the Qur'an, you know. So hopefully, inshallah, some good things will come from these efforts. The day on which the hour is established, the hour stands, the hour rises. The, the criminals are going to be completely hopeless, utterly hopeless. And they would not find any of their, in, in any of their associates, they won't find anybody to stand up for them. Shufa'a, easy high school translation, somebody to stand up for you and say, no, 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 he's with me, go easy on him. The old English translation, intercessors. Those who shall intercede on thy behalf. Intercessor, you might not understand. Somebody who comes and says, hey, I know he's in trouble, but he's, you know, he used to worship me, and I'm kind of awesome, so let him come with me. That's not going to happen on Judgment Day. Shufa'a. And they are going to be in complete denial of their associates. So this means two things. On the Day of Judgment, first of all, they're hoping for these false gods to come and say, we worshipped you, so we wouldn't get in trouble with God. You would deal with God, and we can just deal with you. That was the point. And those idols, or even those prophets that were made shufa'a and shuraka, will say, what are you talking about? I'm just stone. You know? Or I'm just a human being. I, I, never, I never said you should do that. You guys made that up yourself, so they'll deny it. And on the other side, once they realize, these criminals realize, that those false gods or those prophets that they turned into gods are not there to help them get into paradise as, inter as intercessors, as people that make their case, then they'll say, no, 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 we didn't worship them. So once they realize they're no good to them, they'll start trying to change their story. The day when the hour is established, that's the day that they're going to be divided, completely separated into groups. To be cut apart. They're completely separated from one another. And tafarruq also has a kind of animosity in it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a different firqa from you. I'm a different faction from you. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm in competition with you or against you. Then as for those who believed and did righteous deeds, that they're going to be in a rawda. A rawda is a 
you know, rawad al matar al ard. That the, 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 they say in Arabic that the, the rain gave life and made the earth colorful. It gave it color and texture. Rawda is a garden full of color and texture. It's got so many colors. You're just, they're so stimulated when you walk into that garden. And then yuhbarun, to be made happy, to be filled with joy. And hibr actually, ink is not just used for ink, it's used for designing something, beautifying paper. Hibr, ink, right, is when you beautifully write. And yuhbar is to be filled with beauty, to be filled with joy and pleasantness. So that's what the believers are going to be. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَلِقَاءِ الْآخِرَةِ And as for those who disbelieved, and they lied against our miraculous signs, and the meeting of the, the final meeting, the meeting of the final day, فَأُولَٰئِكَ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُحْضَرُونَ Then they are going to be in the punishment, being presented, being brought to make their case. So one is being entered into a garden where they're just chilling, they're relaxing, and the other is told to explain themselves. You know, muhdar, let me just give you, help you understand what muhdar means in simple language. Your, the principal calls you into the office. You're standing there, you're muhdar. Human resource department calls you for a meeting. Can I speak to you in my office? Uh-oh. You're muhdar. The soldier is called into the general's office, quarters, for a court-martial hearing. You're muhdar. You're standing in a court, you have a court date, and you're standing on that, that podium thing. And the, court, the, the judge is about to speak to you. You're muhdar. You've been brought, you've been brought there right before somebody to be scolded, judged. You know, uh, um, you have to explain yourself. فَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ حِينَ تُمْسُونَ وَحِينَ تُصْبِحُونَ Then if you know you're going to be brought before Allah, then declare the perfection of Allah. سَبِّحُوا سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ Declare the perfection of Allah. By the way, Subhanallah is not a statement of fact. Subhanallah is not a statement of fact. Alhamdulillah is a statement of fact. Subhanallah is a call to action. It's, actually, it's not khabariyah, it's insha'iyah. It's not khabariyah. Khabariyah means it's a statement of fact. Allahu Akbar is a statement of fact. Alhamdulillah is a statement of fact. Subhanallah is not a statement of fact. Subhanallah is a call. You see how there's a fatha in subhana? There's a fatha at the end of it as opposed to a dhamma? That means there's a verb before it. And the verb before it, you know what that implies? A verb is an action. So that verb, when you say, when Allah says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, يعني سبحوا Subhanahu, Declare His perfection. It's implied. When somebody says, Subhanallah, they're saying, Usabbihu Subhanallah. I declare Allah's perfection. The perfection of Allah, the perfection of Allah, by itself is not a statement of fact, it's actually declare the perfection of Allah as a result. So when you know you're going to be standing in front of Allah, when you know this beautiful garden is ahead of you, make the choice and if you want to make the right choice, you begin by declaring that Allah is above all attributions. It's declare the perfection of Allah when, you, when you're spending your evenings. And when you're spending your mornings. When you're just passing by the morning. Now there is the statement of fact. And this comparison is important. And to him alone, hamd belongs in the skies and the earth. وَعَشِيًّا And in the, in the late night, وَحِينَ تُظْهِرُونَ And even when you're in the middle of the afternoon, spending the afternoons, what Allah is saying in this ayah is, whether you declare Allah's perfection or not, it already belongs to Him. 
Whether you're spending your day, and Allah mentioned here, Ashiyan, most people are doing what? In the Aisha, like late Aisha, late night time, sleeping. And what are people doing in Tuthirun? Tuthirun means the middle of the afternoon. What are they doing? Working. Working or taking the afternoon nap back in the day, Qilula. That's what they're doing. In other words, these are not times for most people to declare the perfection of Allah. And even in your downtime, Hamd still belongs to Allah. Even in your downtime, Hamd still belongs to Allah. Now, what are the busy times for people when they're active and around? Morning, Tusbihun, and then Tumsun, later, later afternoon. 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m., before Maghrib, these are, these are active times. That's why traffic is so bad at that time. Right? You, you leave, you go on the highway when it's Tudhirun, when you're in the middle of the afternoon, you'll survive. You might even survive the 6.35. But you go at 7, or you go at 5, forget it. You know, might as well just stay home and do tasbih. <laughs> right? Walahu alhamd. But hamd belongs to him anyway, even if you are busy. He brings out the living out of he brings the living out of the dead. And he brings the dead out of the living. And if you want to see an example of that, he brings the earth back to life after it had died. And it is just like that that you will all be brought out. Allah is now starting to talk about himself, even though the conversation in the beginning was about the Romans and the Persians, and the empire, and how it's a great miraculous sign. But Allah says, actually, that miraculous sign, as awesome as it is, is just one of so many. There's so many other things for you to reflect on. These nations rising and falling, living and dying, is nothing compared to the life and death Allah creates every day. And you should not just look at who won and who lost, and these news events, Allah is using those news events as an excuse to teach you a lesson. You shouldn't forget that <coughs> revelation is all about you. Events around the world, you're, it's good for you to follow the news, but at the end of it all, you should be saying, Subhanallah. When, you're, when we're listening about conflict happening somewhere, we shouldn't just say, oh, so then what happened, and then what happened, and then what happened, or who won the election, and who lost the election, how many people died. What's the resolution? We should also be remembering this is not happening to us. We owe Allah praise and gratitude. We need to do something to, to further the cause of justice. And out of his miraculous signs is that he created you out of dirt. How great the Roman Empire was. How awesome the Persian Empire was. And to Allah, it's just a bunch of dirt walking around. These human beings. Then you turn into these you know, creatures of skin. I've mentioned before, human beings are called bashar because bashar comes from bishr. Bishr in Arabic means skin. And human beings are called that because as opposed to gorillas, and as opposed to lions and monkeys, our skin shows. Their skin is covered with, with fur. So our skin shows and that's why we're called bashar. And you know, so you're just bashar that just runs around. Bashar is just stitched together dirt. So Allah describes it. You're just, you know, you're, you go all over the place. And if you pondered that out of his miraculous signs is that he created out of your own selves, your spouses. Meaning the, hum, the first human spouse was made from the rib of Adam alayhi Also means from your own peoples, your own families, your extended families, your own tribe, you find a spouse. And within humanity you find a spouse. And then Allah says, 
Why did I give you spouses? Litaskunu ilayha. This is the shadi card, card ayah. Everybody who gets married has this ayah on their wedding card. Somebody came to me and said, Ustaz, give me an ayah for my wedding. So I gave him this one. He goes, no, everybody uses that one. I was like, yeah, so? Or what are you saying? It doesn't apply anymore? No, no, I'm just saying. No, you're not saying. This is the ayah. Just use it. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ And out of his miraculous signs is that he created you from your own spouses. By the way, all of humanity is an extension of a male and female coming together. And the, the, the first human, two human beings coming together, just this act of two human beings coming together and then having a child. But Allah says, two human beings came together for what purpose? لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you can find tranquility in her. But look at the context of the conversation. The surah began with war. Two human beings come together and Allah says the purpose of it is peace. And by extension they make entire nations, human beings coming together, make entire nations and civilizations and then what's produced? War. And the very beginning ingredients of it are peace. What we're learning is if you really have peace in the home, that will extend to community, then it will extend to nation, and then it will extend between nations. When you don't have peace at this very, very beginning level, then it expands and expands and expands and becomes something bigger. Crime. You know, cities that are riddled with crime are also cities where you have broken homes. You, have, you don't have good parenting. You don't have you know, harmonious marriages. Single parent homes. Fathers not being fathers, mothers not being mothers, or they're fighting each other all the time. There's drinking in the house, there's abuse in the house. Kids raised in that environment, he doesn't feel bad mugging somebody. If he's seen his mom beat his, if he's seen his dad beat his mom, mom beat his dad, then what does he care about human life? He's going to do that stuff. And that creates crime. SubhanAllah. Allah says, أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا So the ayat aren't just to reflect upon when you're getting married. These are comments about humanity. Allah first talked about the origins of human creation, Turab in the surah. He taught, the surah is called Rome. When you think of Rome, you think of greatness. And then Allah says human beings are made of dirt. They forget where they're from. They become arrogant. And, and they forget that the very essence of human civilization, the purpose of human beings coming together, and that, that's how the human population spreads, men and women coming together, it's the spousal relationship, the foundation of it is لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So you can find tranquility in her or in them. The how could be azwaj, which could be in them. Could be ma'abad. The wife finds peace in the husband. The husband finds peace in the wife. The husband and wife, for example, the husband comes home late. The wife says, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. Now that you're here, I can sleep. No, but I have to work. It doesn't matter, you're here. Now I can sleep. What about my dinner? No, I said I can sleep. <laughs> now that you're here. لِتَسْكُنُوا <laughs> إِلَيْهَا You can find peace in them. The husband had a long day, and he sees the wife running around, she's, you know, she's doing the dishes, and she's playing with the kids, she's on the phone, she goes, hey, hey, could you just sit down over here for a minute? Just sit down. And she says, well, well I got something, then just sit down. Just Five minutes, just sit down with me. Just sitting down next to the husband. And he's like, oh, I'm at peace. He just needs her to sit with her, that's it. 
So what do you want to talk about? Nothing. Just sit here. Just sit here. This is downtime. No talk. Nothing. The people that are married know what I'm talking about. When you spend time with your husband or your wife, it takes out the stress of the day. And that's not something you and I did. Allah says, the credit goes to me. Next time you sit with your wife or your husband, and you go, you should remember Allah. Allah did that. وَمِنْ عَيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجٍ لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا Just lying down next to your husband or your wife at night. Just lying down. Even if there are kids wrestling all over you, there's a peace in your heart. When you go to sleep on the couch, you have a bad night. Maybe you were working late, you just passed out on the couch, woke up the next morning. You'll have a terrible day, she'll have a terrible day. Even if you're like, just that, just lying down in bed, that's it. Even that brings a kind of peace. That you feed off of the rest of the day. When you're at peace, peace is like light. When you have it, then it comes out of you. It doesn't stay inside you. It emanates. So then you, you emanate peace in the workplace. You emanate peace to children. You emanate peace to co-workers. You emanate peace at the masjid. When you don't have it, you don't have anything to give. When there's chaos inside you, only chaos comes out of you. That's why good marriages are so important for peace. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا Sukun. You know what sukun means? What does sukun mean, guys? Stop. Stop. That's a sukun. Literally, sakana means to stop. Like you're moving around, you're disturbed. Al-haraka, Movement is disturbance. And Allah says, your spouse is when you finally just stop. Put the phone and the computer away. Everything just stops. And you could just be at peace. That break. And all human beings that want to survive, like, like they want to have mental peace, they need to have that time where they're just stopped every day. They need some downtime with their spouse. You shouldn't just have it on the weekend. I know some people have crazy schedules. She's going to college in the day and she's exhausted by night and he's working in the day and he's exhausted by night so they don't have time for each other, etc. You better make time if you want to have a peaceful life because you're going to get messed up. You're going to get really, really messed up if you don't make that time. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا You know? Allah says, you know, جَعَلَ Layla Sakanan. Allah made the night a time of rest to calm down. So what's the time to spend with your spouse especially? Night time. Be with your spouse. Spend time, with, eat with your spouse. Sit with your spouse. Then He says, وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً And He put between you extreme love. Mawadda actually has in it the meanings of al-husul. To want something, to be with something, to acquire something, meaning you miss them. In the middle of the day, you send her a text message, I miss you. She's like, what? I don't. <laughs> Just kidding. But mawadda is actually mustar mimi from wood. Wood means love. Mawadda means extreme love. Just randomly in the middle of the day, you just turned to her and said, I love you so much. Just randomly. Allah put that in you. You're obsessed with her. And you know when you, when you will see, see that first? When you, when you, absolutely when you first get married. You'll feel this love you've never felt before. You don't know where it's coming from. Like, 
What's happening to me? And you know what else is crazy? I don't know. This is my theory. I've shared it with some close friends. I'll share it with you. This is my theory. When people first get married, they randomly fall asleep. They randomly just sitting together. They're so much at peace. Just random. They're just calm. There's this clarity in their head they never thought they had. They'll turn to the wife and say, I feel like I can think for the first time in my life. There's so much clarity. So much peace. What is it? It's you. And she goes, yes, I know. <laughs> but there's this in intense love. But then, of course, life comes in, disturbance, the honeymoon is over, work starts, you know, school starts again, family comes over, you have to go over to the in-laws, your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, oh my God, you know. Her family, his family, then people say something, then you start saying, so didn't I tell you to you know, do that, you forgot? She says, well, didn't I tell you to not tell me? And things go back and forth, and things start getting ugly a little bit. Allah says, I didn't just put intense love among you, I also put mercy, rahmah. And what do we say about rahmah? Special bond of love out of which you want to take care of someone, out of which you want to protect someone, out of which you want to make sure they're not hurt, that all of their needs are met. So you start actually, when you're really married, you don't even think of yourself as a person anymore. You're about to buy food, you're like, no wait, I got to buy two of those. You don't even have to think of it like, oh wait, I have a wife that needs to eat food too. You just buy it, you don't even think about it. You don't go buy one toothbrush. You, just, you can't do it anymore. That's rahmah. You're just constantly thinking of the other. You know, this, this is mercy. And of course, mercy later on in marriage too. So the, 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 and again, mercy, we talked about its limitations, the word's limitations. That special love, that's, that can be compared to the bond of the womb. That's the kind of bond Allah creates between husband and wife. In that there are so many miraculous signs. Yaqul subhanahu wa ta'ala, عَادَةً إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً مُفْرَدٍ يَقُولُ هُنَا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ Allah usually says there's one miraculous sign in that. Here He says there are so many miraculous signs in marriage. He didn't even say there's one. You know? لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ For people who really deeply think. For real people who really deeply think. And of course, if, if marriage is supposed to create love, and Allah put installed in the marriage love and mercy, Love and courtesy, love and protection, this, this, this extra form of love. Rahmah is the more powerful form of love and so much more. Then you know what that means? When a person enjoys that in their life, they're going to give it to others. They're, they'll want others to have that kind of mercy. It'll, it'll come out. Mawaddatan wa rahmah. Wa min ayatihi samawati wal ardi. And out of his miraculous signs are the creation of the skies and the earth. وَاخْتِلَافُ أَلْسِنَتِكُمْ وَأَلْوَانِكُمْ And the differences of your tongues and your colors. So now that you have tranquility inside the home, you don't think of others that speak a different language. And people who have different color than you. People who have flatter shaped eyes than you do. People that have bigger lips than you do. People who have different kind of hair than you do. You don't think of them as funny or weird. You just see them as ayat of Allah. Allah calls different languages His ayat. Allah calls different skin colors and different races His ayat. 
So when somebody makes fun of a race, they are making fun of Allah's ayat. When somebody makes fun of people's language, they're making fun of Allah's ayat. How can somebody be racist? How can somebody hate another nation now? If this Allah says is from His miraculous signs, just like the night and the day is. The difference between night and day can also be the difference between your, your tongues and your, your, your uh, colors. In that, there are so many miraculous signs for people who seek to know. Allah Azza wa created Adam and Hawa, salamun alayhima. They must have had a skin color. They must have had some features. And Allah in His wisdom could have made all of us look like Adam and Hawa, salamun alayhima, with no skin color differences with no feature differences, because He created us from one, from one dirt, not different kinds of dirt, one dirt, one. And yet all of us have different textures in our dirt. Allah said He made that happen. He made it this way, purposefully. And had He wanted, كَانَ nasu, you know, He could have made it, لَجَعَلَكُمْ أُمَّةً wahida. He could have made you one nation, one people. But this is for people who want to know, these are miraculous signs. And out of his miraculous signs is your ability to go to sleep and have a dream in the night and sometimes in the day. Some say, Like there's, a, there's an implication here. You're dreaming and sleeping in the night and you working and doing your stuff in the day. And that you go out and, and pursue out of Allah's favors. You go and do work. Your ability to go to sleep and get enough rest, and as a result of getting enough rest, your ability to get up on time, get yourself dressed, get in the car, get in traffic, and get to work on time, and do be able to do work, are all from the miraculous signs of Allah that He takes credit for. In that there are miraculous signs for a nation that seeks to listen, that actually wants to hear what Allah has to say. And by the way, how can this become a spiritual experience? The Quran turns everything into a spiritual experience, like nothing else. I'm in the middle of New York City. I just got out of, I got out of my house at 7 a.m., stop at a bus stop, there's 20 other people standing there at the bus stop. Then I get, and I don't even have a place to sit in the bus, I'm standing, barely holding on. Then I get into the subway. Then I get out and there's an army of people walking on the pavement. I can't even see the next block. And they're all heading to work. Everybody's heading to work. And every single one of them was asleep at one point. And that was from Allah. And every single one of them, Allah woke up and took to work. Every single one of them is an ayah of Allah. Every human being going to work. Inna fi dhalika la ayat. And you're like, Allah did that, 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 that. You're just seeing Allah's work all around. When you hear these ayat, it changes your perspective. Of your, on your morning commute. You're stuck in traffic, you're frustrated. And you're like, yeah. These ayat then come, come to life all around you. This is, this is what spirituality is in Islam. You see the world and it reminds you of an ayah. You, you recite an ayah and it reminds you of the world. And both of those remind you of Allah. That's spirituality. When ayat come to life. When you, when you think of them when you're traveling and even if you don't know the ayah by heart, you don't know the Arabic, next time you're in traffic, isn't that a sign of Allah? People are going to work. That much you can remember. That you can, and that's okay if you have different tongues. Allah says that's from your ayat. That's from his ayat too. And out of his signs is that he shows you lightning. 
which be creates fear in you, out of fear, and also has hope. Because when people see lightning, they're like, oh my God. But then they're like, yes, rain is coming. So both fear and hope, and the same thing in lightning. And the same thing is true of revelation, isn't it? It also comes from the sky, and he shows you his ayat, and those ayat scare us, and they also give us hope. وَيُنَزِّلُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَيُحْيِي بِهِ الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا And he sends water from the sky that gives life to the earth after it had died. So the, look at this sequencing. I want you to appreciate this sequencing. First came warnings. Or first came something that gives you fear and gives you hope. Lightning. Then what did Allah send? Water from the sky. Then the earth came to life. Okay, so the sequencing is first came something that gives warning and good news. Then Allah brought his special aid. The nasr of Allah here would be the ma. And then the earth is brought back to life. What happens in the seerah of the Prophet Makkah Quran is that lightning. It's warning and good news. It's full of fear and hope. Then Allah sent his special aid in Medina. And eventually the entire region is taken over by Islam. And this dead earth that was dead of Iman, the people's hearts were dead, are now finally back to life. So when you see lightning, then rain, then greenery, you're seeing the life of the Prophet It's incredible. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَا آيَاتٍ يَعْقِلُونَ In that there are miraculous signs for people who want to apply their intellect. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ تَقُومَ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ بِأَمْرِهِ And from his miraculous signs is that he maintains the sky and the earth by his decision, by his command, that he allows them to continue to exist. He's holding them in place. ثُمَّ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ دَعْوَةً مِنَ الْأَرْضِ Then one day all of a sudden he called you, or when he calls you, with one single call. You know how we say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Hayya ala salah. You hear the adhan, Hayya ala salah. Go to salat, hurry up. Hayya ala falah, run to success. Nobody gets up. Nobody moves when the adhan is heard. Whether it's on your phone or it's on the actual mic in the Muslim world, you know. The adhan is heard, people are walking around, nobody cares. Then judgment day comes one day. And Allah makes one call. Get up. The entire humanity rises with one call. إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ دَعْوَةً A single call مِنَ الْأَرْضِ From the earth, إِذَا أَنْتُمْ تَخْرُجُونَ It is from the earth all of a sudden that every single one of you is going to be coming out. وَلَهُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ And he owns whoever's in the skies and the earth. Every single one of them on that day are going to be subservient to him in that context. They're just going to completely be submissive. Qunut means you are anticipating a command so you can get the opportunity to obey. You know the, 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 the really enthusiastic student, what's the homework? What's the homework? And the other student next time is, oh, we have homework? God, you know, this is qunut. You're just enthusiastically obeying. You're, you want to obey. By the way, the other meaning of this ayah is also this is happening right now. Our hands, our feet, all of them are in complete submission to Allah Azza wa Jal. And they're going to testify against Allah that Allah, ya, ya Allah, you gave this person's heart control over my, me, these limbs. And they used me against, the, against your will. So I have a complaint to launch against him. 
He's the one who started creation to begin with. Then he's going to be bringing it back. He starts it and he brings it back. And that's even easier on him. This is a very important uh, argument in the Qur'an based on human experience. Qur'an doesn't make philosophical arguments as much as it makes experiential kinds of arguments. Look, the first time you had to give a speech, was it easier or harder than the second time? First time's harder, second time's harder. First time's harder. You went to job to your job, and your boss told you to do task X. The more times you do it, it gets harder or easier? It gets easier. Anything you have to create the first time is harder, and the second time is easier. That's human experience. If I'm going to prepare, for example, a dars, if I'm going to prepare like a detailed dars, the first time I teach it, it might tank. The next time I teach it, I might do a better job. Okay? So I know that for a fact. When I, for example, when I was teaching, going around teaching Surah Rahman, I'm done with that, alhamdulillah. Maybe I'll do one more in Dallas, I don't know. But like, I tried it the first time, there was some stumbling, some stuff, place I got stuck in. Second time, third time, fourth time, it was like riding a bike. I'm on autopilot. The Arabic class, first time I taught it, it was a disaster, it was a train wreck. Now I'm on autopilot. It was just wake me up in the middle of the night and say, hey, teach day five. Okay. It's all pre-programmed. I teach, I even know, I've even memorized the jokes. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even help myself. I tell the same exact joke. People are like, oh, I already heard that one. I don't care, I'm pre-programmed, I can't help it. It's playing. It's a file. It's just playing, you know. Allah says, your argument is, how is Allah going to create us again? How is He going to bring us back? Your experience tells you, whenever you do something, doing it again is harder or easier? Easier. And you're saying, Allah already created us, you already answered that question, and you're questioning that He can create you again? Isn't it logical from your experience, that if He has to create you again, it's easier the second time? And he has the best possible, he owns the best possible example, likeness, in the skies and the earth. What this means is, a few things. When you talk about Allah and you want to help someone understand something about Allah, Allah does that himself. He wants you to understand some things about him. Sometimes he uses examples. But he uses the highest, the most supreme examples. But this also means Allah alone has the, the ability to give the best possible examples for anything in the skies and the earth. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ And he's the ultimate, the ultimate authority, the all-wise. Speaking of Allah possessing the ability to give the best examples, the next ayah is an example. ضَرَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ ضَرَبَ لَكُمْ مَثَلًا He gave an example for your benefit. مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ That is close to your own experience. Something you can relate to. مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ here implies, you can relate to it. هَلَّكُمْ مِمَّا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ مِنْ out of those that you possess, your slaves, in, modern sense, in the modern sense, your employees, your secretary, do you have anybody that works under you at the lowest possible level? There's somebody who's an executive under you, but there's someone at the lowest possible level, what your right hand possesses back in the day is the slave, your janitor, your butler, whatever. That person. The, the guy who mows your lawn nowadays. He's not a slave, but he's, you know, you don't really have a personal connection. You have him do some very mundane tasks. That's what the person min shuraka fi Out of them, do you actually make them partners in what we've provided you? You share bank account information with them? 
you give them keys to your house so they can they have access to your cars and house and accounts and you let them know where the checkbook is you let them know where the you know the jewelry is kept in the house do you do that you make them equals among you hal min shuraka fi and you are equals when you're worried about yourself, you worry about them. When you're doing your finances, you do their finances. When you think about your electricity bill, you think about their electricity bill. Does that ever happen to you? No, it doesn't. You fear them means here, you fear about them, like you fear about yourselves. You worry about them like you worry about yourselves. Does that ever happen? Is that your experience? No. It's not your experience. Because these people are, you're using them for something. They have certain powers, you're using them for something, but they're not equals to you. In no way are they equals to you. Well, why can't you understand then that I send messengers and they are not equals to me? I send them for a task. They're just sent for a task. You can't worship them. You, how, how, how are you thinking I'm going to equate them to me? You don't do that. You don't do that yourself. That's how we explain our signs, or the miraculous signs, for people that are trying to understand. But rather the case is, they, those who have done wrong, follow their empty, empty, pointless desires, without any knowledge. Then who is going to guide someone that Allah allowed to be misguided? وَمَا لَهُمْ مِنْ نَاصِرِينَ They're not going to have any aids whatsoever. فَأَقِمْ وَجْهَكَ لِلدِّينِ حَنِيفًا I referred this to this uh, ayah when we were talking about Ankabut. In Ankabut we saw a guy that's rocking in the ship when he's about to sink and he turns to Allah and when things are calm, he goes back to doing shit. Allah says, that's why I brought him to the earth. So he can go back to his bad ways, so I can prove that he wasn't stable in his religion. That was just a phase he was going through. I wanted to prove that case against him. So what's the contrast to that? What are we supposed to do instead? فَأَقِمْ وَجْهَكَ لِلدِّينِ حَنِيفًا Then establish your face for the deen, for the, for, the, for the religion. Meaning for the way, for proper judgment. Hanifan, solely focused. Fitrat Allah. And that is the nature owned by Allah. Fitrat Allah. And Fitrat Allah, this is actually a real honor for the human being that Allah calls it. And yansibu ilayhi, yudifu ilayhi al fitra. Fitra means nature or predisposition. Also means creation. Fitra also means creation. Fatara to create something and carve it and mold it and sculpt it to perfection. Allah says you were pre-programmed with this thing called fitra. This certain qualities you have as human beings, I have as a human being, were given to me when I was born. That are very, that are so beautiful that Allah attributes them directly to Himself. See, Allah created everything, but He doesn't say, for example, like Samaullah, Jibalullah. They all belong to Allah, but He doesn't attribute His name to them. But this thing He created, this operating system that He put, installed on your soul, this fitrah, is something special, so He puts it, attributes it to Himself. He attributes that to Himself. Fitrat Allah. Allati fatara nasa alayha the one that people are molded upon. He molded people upon. He created people on. In other words, Allah gave that special power, that special ability to every single human being. Now what is that fitrah? That fitrah, you can call it 
Allah's design for human decency, human, the human code of ethics, the human moral code, is not something human beings came up with. Morality, ethics, gratitude, humility, giving, giving charitability, patience, mercy, love. <coughs> these things are fitrah. Allah gave these things to the human being. They're not human constructs. And they are special things. And Allah says He gave those things to all human beings. And so when the religion comes, you see it as confirming what you were pre-programmed with. The religion has mercy, patience, justice, all of these values. I was fascinated. I'll, I'll, if somebody reminds me, I'll bring the book with me. I was reading recently a book on international ethics. And the author said something remarkable in the very beginning of the book. He said, you know, the, the, the want of justice and the preservation of human life and a battle against corruption is a universal human ethic. It's human beings share it just like they share two eyes and just like they share two feet. He's saying that there is a fitrah. There is, there is something in the human being that wants these things. There's an inclination that truth is good and lying is bad. That helping someone is good and hurting someone is bad. You know, We didn't have to learn that in school. We just know it. We're programmed with it. And then the deen comes and perfects it. La tabdila li khalqillah. There is no altering the creation of Allah. You will not evolve out of that. It's not going to be that someone born in 2012 is going to be is not going to have that programming or going to have a different version of it than somebody born in like you know eight 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 hundred years ago or five thousand years ago. It's going to be the same. It's the khalq of Allah. That is the, the upright deen. In other words, the deen lives inside of us already. It's the dormant deen. You know, I keep talking to you about software that's locked and it has an access key, like an unlock key. Okay? Our fitrah is there. And then revelation comes and unlocks it. But it's always there. Islam is always there inside every person. Every single newborn is born on fitrah. The Prophet tells us. Every one of them, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Every one of them. ذَلِكَ الدِّينُ الْقَيِّمُ That is the upright religion. In other words, you know when people are flaky, they're like, they, they have religious good days, they have bad days, or they turn to the religion in emergency, but they don't other times. That's their fault. It's not like the stable foundations of religion weren't already given to them. They were. That was already there. You're denying what's inside of you. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ However, most people don't even know what they have. They don't even know. Munibina ilayhi. This is beautiful because this iltifat. Notice, aqim wajhaka liddini hanifan mufrad. It's singular. Establish your face to the religion solely focused to Allah. Hanifan is singular. Then munibina, basic grammar students, ending combination. Ina, nasab ajar. This is nasab actually. Hal. What it means is, while all of you also, not just the Prophet turn his face to Allah, all of you should be turning back towards Him also. And inaba in Arabic means to turn to somebody spiritually, to turn to Allah, to turn back to Allah in, in forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, out of love, out of appreciation. وَاتَّقُوهُ And remain cautious of Him. وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَلَا تَكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And establish prayer. And don't you dare become from those who commit shirk. A couple more ayat and I'll end inshaAllah. مِنَ الَّذِينَ فَرَّقُوا دِينَهُمْ وَكَانُوا شِيَعًا yeah, I thought I'd do a couple more ayat, but this ayah requires long discussion. So I'm going to stop here, and inshallah we'll pick up from ayah number 32.
take a good 10 minutes barakallahu li wa lakum fi alquran alhakim wa nafa'ni wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikr alhakim a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim من الذين فرقوا دينهم وكانوا شيعا كل حزب بما لديهم فرحون وإذا مس الناس ضر دعوا ربهم منيبين إليه ثم إذا أذاقهم منه رحمة إذا فريق منهم بربهم يشركون رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي فالحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين ثم ما بعد وان اي نمبر 32 بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته من الذين فرقوا دينهم سوره الروم اي نمبر 32 من الذين فرقوا دينهم out of those who broke their religion apart they took their religion and divided it up broke it apart now, deen is the continuing word. Dalika deenul qayyim. That is the established religion from the ayah before. And we talked about how this deen, the foundations of this deen, are put inside the nature of, of the human being. But then, based on that nature, people took the, the actual revelation, the actual religion. And then Allah says they manipulated the religion and broke it up into many different religions. So, the idea in Islam is that all religions are actually offshoots of Islam. That all other religions that we find in the world today are somehow, they were originally Islam and they were originally based on the fitrah of the human being, but then there are corruptions thereof. There's something or another that was added and added and added until they took the twisted form that they've taken today. So, And they had become into factions, a faction that's aggressive towards, towards others. Every single group is extremely happy with whatever they have. They're extremely content with their own worldview. And Farihun extremely proud, showing off their religious thing, uh, doctrine. And the idea of Kullu Hizb, Bima Ladehim Farihun, is that they want to go out of their way to show that we are different from those guys and those guys and those guys. Our denomination is unique because of these and these and these reasons. And so in, within Islam also, you will have people or you will have groups that will, will try to be like a hizb. They'll try to be like, you know, this one group that's got the guidance and everybody else is unfortunately lost and if only those other Muslims would be okay. Uh, you know, in, in New York I saw a lot of that. Alhamdulillah, I don't see that as much in Texas as all. One of the reasons I moved here is because I don't see that much here. But man, when I was in New York back in the day, it was, it's incredible. And then when I went to uh, Europe, I was like, man, we don't have any problems in America. <laughs> <laughs> compared to what they go, go through. Um, I went to a masjid where they had a poster and it had conditions of you have to celebrate these, 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 these festivals and if you don't, you're not welcome to this masjid. Uh, and I don't want to spell them out because that's, I don't think that's right. But they've got like these very specific celebrations and practices that are particular to their tariqah, their way. And if you're not in that, then you are not welcome. And on top of that, they put some other conditions there too. Like, if you, were, if you want to be a board member at this masjid, you have to be born in Jhelum or in, in Lahore or like they put like a few places in Pakistan. And if you're not born there, then you're not welcome to be a board member of this masjid or whatever. I was like, seriously? That's pretty awesome. I took a picture of it. And 
Pretty amazing thing to see at the masjid. And this is, this is every group becoming their own thing. You know, people, people being, uh, creating a version of Islam and then looking down on everybody else. They've got the wrong version. They've got the wrong idea. They don't know. And sometimes this takes the form of like, you know, people even develop a kind of uniform. So women in a particular circle dress exactly the same way. They like, it's almost like a uniform. And this is how Islam wants you to be. Or it takes the form of literature. These are the books that teach Islam correctly. Anything out of these books, not even correct. And it's usually not the Quran or Sunnah. It's like other stuff that becomes central literature. And if you're not into that literature, then you're out. Then it becomes certain practices, certain, you know, certain kind of a look for guys. I went to one of these groups, this brother's house. He invited me because he wanted to guide me to correct Islam. So I'm just sitting there talking and I was like, so you honestly believe that whoever doesn't belong to your group, and I, I can't name him again, is misguided and therefore headed for the hellfire even if, they, even if you see them at the masjid, even if they're Muslim, even if they're all this other stuff. But if they're not in your particular group, they don't understand your specific manhaj, they're not headed for paradise. They have no hopes of it. And he goes, absolutely. Absolutely. SubhanAllah. That's the, that's the point this stuff can get to. That you don't even see another Muslim as necessarily a member of this ummah. Poor lost cause. You know? كُلُّ حِزْبٍ مِمَا لَدَيْهِمْ فَرِحُونَ وَإِذَا مَسَّ النَّاسَ ضُرٌ دَعَوْ رَبَّهُمْ مُنِيبِينَ إِلَيْهِ When harm touches people, when harm hits people, then they call on their master turning back towards him. All the religions, all the factions, all that ideological discourse disappears. People just turn to Allah in times of trouble. ثُمَّ إِذَا أَذَاقَهُمْ مِنْهُ رَحْمَةً Then when he makes them taste some, some love, some mercy from him, إِذَا فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ يُشْرِكُونَ Then all of a sudden a group among them, they start becoming, with their, with their master, they start committing shirk once again. لِيَكْفُرُوا بِمَا آتَيْنَاهُمْ فَتَمَتَّعُوا Continuation of previous surah. So that they may continue to disbelieve in whatever good we had provided to them. Allah gave them a second chance. فَتَمَتَّعُوا فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ There's actually a subtle difference, and I want you to note that subtle difference. لِيَكْفُرُوا بِمَا آتَيْنَاهُمْ is third person. فَتَمَتَّعُوا فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ is second person. So that they should disbelieve in what we have given them, so you enjoy yourselves. Go ahead, enjoy yourself. Soon you'll find out. In Surah Al-Ankabut, we read people are on a ship. When Allah saves them, they start enjoying themselves. Everything was they, they, they. This surah continues that conversation. And Allah says, when we make them taste the mercy that comes from us, some love and mercy shows from us, they start doing shirk again. And Allah gave them that opportunity so He could show that they are not stable in their religion. They only turn to Allah in emergency cases, otherwise they don't need God. So Allah says, لِيَكْفُرُوا بِمَا آتَيْنَاهُمْ Still, so they may, be, they may disbelieve. They may deny what, he, uh, what He's given them. Despite what, we, what He's provided to them. But then He immediately turns His attention to the Quraysh themselves. And says, فَتَمَتَّعُوا فَسَوْفَ تَعْلَمُونَ You better enjoy yourselves. You will soon find out. So He goes from they to you. And I want you to understand the benefit of that. If I was in class and I said, there, there's a student who thinks he can get away with cheating. 
He thinks that he can Google things and copy his answers off of this website, and I won't even know that that's what he submitted. He realizes that he's dealing with, he thinks he's dealing with someone who doesn't have access to the internet. What person am I using when I'm talking like that about a student? He. He. And that guy is usually not a good listener anyway. So even if I, as I'm talking, he's tuned out, he's like playing a video game in class, he's not listening. Third person could be anybody, who cares? And out of nowhere I say, hey you, Kareem, come here. I go from he to what? You. That's supposed to be, oh, me? Out of nowhere. It's unexpected and it's a means of terrifying somebody. Allah was talking about third person. So they may disbelieve. So they may do this. Oh, they, I don't know who they are. Allah says, then you enjoy yourself. Soon you'll find out. Soon you're gonna, you're, very soon you're going to learn. Is it the case then that we've sent some kind of authoritative proof, some kind of validation onto them? And this authoritative proof speaks on behalf of the, the shirk they commit. What document do they have from Allah that allows them to make up their religion? And when we make human beings taste any mercy, they become extremely happy. They become overjoyed. Things work out, you get so happy. You got into that school you wanted to get into? You got the grades you wanted to get? You got the job? You get overly happy. Some, some form of love and mercy shows from Allah, you get extremely happy. And if any calamity, any evil, any harm, any bad thing hits them because of what they've done with their own hands, and all of a sudden you'll find that these are the same people that have lost all hope. They're moping around, they're not talking to anybody. What happened? I don't want to talk about it. You didn't get into the school, you got a bad grade, you know, you found out you didn't make it to the team or whatever. And you're just moping around like, mm, I don't know. You want to eat something? Hmm. I don't know. This is qunut with a thought. Completely depressed, lost it, lo uh, 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 hope is lost. Look at the beauty of the ayah in that Allah, when He talks about mercy, He said we. But when He talked about hard times hitting, He didn't say, when we make them taste hard times, instead He took Himself out. He just said, when harm hits Him, when bad times hit Him. So He didn't even mention Himself. So with mercy, He mentioned Himself. And with hard times, He didn't, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Isn't this a continuation of the previous surah? Didn't they observe that Allah, no doubt, expands provision, expands livelihood for whoever He wants, and He limits it. He, he sets restraints on it too when He wants. In that, no doubt, there are special miraculous signs for a nation that wants to believe. Now, Allah gives to some and He doesn't give to some. But maybe He gave you. And if He gave you, what should you do with that money? Then give to the close, those possessing the closest relations to you. People in your own circle, meaning starting with your family. And then extending some mufassirun say, Al-Qurba can extend to also, other than ulul arham also, the people connected by the womb, like the uncle, or cousin, 
or, 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 or brother or sister, etc. But beyond them also, your closest friend, you know, your neighbor, your next door neighbor is really physically close to you, and you know them very well. These are the qurba closest. So it starts with the family circle and then expands within the immediate circle of acquaintances and friends. Give, it, give the, the one that possesses closeness to you his right. Haqqahu. Allah didn't say malak. Give him your money. Give him min malik. Give him something from your money. He says haqqahu. Give him his right. Allah made that money, that person's right. If you have a, an orphan cousin, if you have a widowed aunt, you know, especially a khala. Al khala tu fi halat al um. The Prophet told the Sallallahu a khala, the maternal aunt, is the status of your mother. She's the status of your mother. So taking care of people like that, well, miskin, then the one who's stuck in an economic difficulty, miskin, someone who can't move out of their problem, they can't help themselves. Wabna sabil, someone in the middle of a journey, someone's on a road trip, they're probably they're not, they don't have the comfort of home. So you need to try to help them out. In other words, for example, if, I, if you're traveling with your family, right, and you, uh, you're stopping by at a cousin's house or something, or they're stopping by at your house, they have children, so you know they're going to need baby food, they're going to need dinner, they're going to need a comfortable place to sleep. They need these things because they're not at home. They're displaced at the moment. So you have to go out of your way to take care of those who are in the middle of travel, Wabna Sabil. That's better for those who seek the face of Allah. Which surah mentioned the face of Allah? Ankabut. Continuation of that subject here. And those, in fact, are the ones that are the ultimately successful. And whatever you give as an investment for growth. Riban. Riba is something you probably all know. Riba is, the basic philosophy behind riba in Islam is a, a way of making money that's guaranteed and doesn't require any work on your part. Like those are the two basic like ethical problems with riba. If those two things come together in an investment, one, you will make money guaranteed. Two, it doesn't require any effort on your part. Money is just sitting there and growing on its own. That's riba, basically. Okay? Now, for example, if you invest in land, you bought a property you know, somewhere, you bought a patch of land, prices might go up and prices might go down. There's no guarantee that it's going to go up. And so in that situation, that's not riba. But you put your money in an investment, like a, like a savings account, for example. And it's guaranteed to rise. There's a 2% return, 1% return, whatever they tell you. Okay. And every year they're going to give you returns, returns, returns. It's a guarantee. Then that can be put into question. This would be riba. Okay, riba, the idea is to give more than what something is worth. Also, riba is to pay more or, or, or to charge more uh, on top of what is owed. So, for instance, you owe me $10, but you say you'll pay me next month. And I say to you, okay, well, if you're going to pay me next month, pay me 12 Deal? Deal. And now, I didn't do anything to earn those extra $2. I didn't do anything to earn those two extra dollars. So those two dollars came to me without me actually investing. There was no risk either, because you have to pay me now. You signed a paper that says you owe me 12 bucks. And that's what this riba is. Now this is what Allah talks about in even Mecca and Quran. Whatever you gave out of your disposable income, obviously this is disposable income that people gave out as a loan, so that they can make some money off of it. Put your money to work, they say. 
Don't let your money sit in a checkings account. You know, we have, for example, in our, in the company, my personal also, the, the, the banking associate will call every once in a while and say, we've noticed that you've had a checking account for several years. Would you like to put your money to work? And I say, no, thanks. I would not like to put my money to work. You know? Because it could constantly be growing for you. Yeah, it could constantly be like digging my hole in hell, too. Like it's per you don't even realize and your money's it's called passive income. Yeah, this is a passive way to go to hell, man. Don't do it. Don't touch it. Get, get away from that stuff. If you, and I'm not saying I, I can't pass a fatwa on like different kinds of financial products because they're really tricky. But you should speak to somebody specializing in this stuff, like from the Islamic side, before you make a decision about any kind of investment. You know, to make sure it doesn't fall under riba. So that it may grow among the, by, by means of the monies of the people. So you're giving people money so that they can grow it for you. Then it doesn't grow with Allah. And whatever you give out of zakat, seeking Allah's face, then those are the ones that are going to end up multiplying. They're going to be multiplying their wealth quite a bit. They're going to get really wealthy with Allah. The subject in its full detail comes in Surah Al-Baqarah. But notice here also, first Allah mentioned rizq. Then Allah mentioned giving to the close relatives, and the poor, and the traveler. That's where your disposable income should be going. Then he mentioned the best thing you could be doing with your money. Then he mentioned the worst thing you can be doing with your money, riba. And then finally he mentions, look, at least just give zakat. You know, and zakats, the, law, the laws and the percentages and all of that are, are revealed much later, but already we're told this is a means of purifying your income. You're seeking the face of Allah. If you gave seeking the face of Allah, then those are the ones that are going to be multiplied. They're going to be multiplied in their status and their rank. The evils of riba, subhanAllah, they're so powerful that Allah even had to, Allah felt it important enough to mention in Makkah and Quran because it's not just a legal issue it's not just a legal like you know for you could argue for example pork is a legal restriction animals whose blood wasn't drained is a legal restriction right but there are certain things that have such devastation in society they create such problems in society that they're moral ethical problems in society and Makkah and Quran is mostly moral ethical deals with social injustice, like I was telling you. And riba is in Islam considered a major form of uh, uh, social injustice. It creates injustice. Now how does interest create injustice? It's very simple. You buy a house. You, somebody bought a house for $20,000. Simple. But they bought it on a mortgage. Back in the 1940s, they bought a house, $20,000. But they got it on a mortgage. It's a 30-year mortgage. So they're going to be paying it until the 80s, that same house. When they're paying it until the 80s, of course, they didn't pay $20,000. How much do you think they paid? Probably at least 40. 40 to 60. Let's just be conservative. Let's just say they paid 40. 40,000. Now there's time to sell that house. What are they going to sell it for? 21,000? Because they bought it at 20,000? No. They put in 40 grand. At least they should try to get what? 45. So the same house now is selling for what? 45. Then somebody else takes out a mortgage. They paid in 30 years. They're going to pay until 2010. 
That same house, they ended up paying 100,000, 150,000. Time comes for them to sell the house, the same patch of land. What are they going to sell it for? At least I should get 170 out of it. So what happens for the future generations? The same dirt, the same exact patch of land, and I don't want you to think of Texas real estate that never changes, but even here it's the same, actually. The same patch of land, which was worth the same exact thing 80 years ago, it's still the same material, but all of a sudden you have to work way more. And you have to pay way more for the same exact thing. Have you not created more poverty? Have you not taken away more opportunity? Have you not made wealth or, or ownership of a home, as one example, something only the very wealthy can have access to now? And as this continues, the people that are making a mediocre income can't even dream of owning a house. And if they do, they have to go really like substandard to be able to own a house. That's what's going to happen to them. Look at what Rabbi does as, as, far, as a means of robbing people. If you owned a brick of gold, just one brick of gold, if you owned it in the 20s, and somebody, the bank came to you and said, give me cash, I'll, I'll give you cash, give me the brick of gold. And they, let's say back in the day in the 20s, they offered you $20,000 for that brick of gold. They handed you cash, they took the brick. You passed the, that same cash, you didn't take it out of the box, you kept it in a box. The same box you used to keep the brick of gold in. So you passed it down three generations. And then the fourth generation, somebody opens the box and says, Dear great-grandson, this is what the bank gave me in exchange for our brick of gold. If you want, you can go back to the bank, give this to them, and get your brick of gold back. Can he take $20,000, walk over to the bank, and take his brick of gold back? They'll give him a coin. They'll give him like a little slice of the brick. Did that person not get robbed of his material when he took the cash? You understand? This is what Ribat does. It creates it like uh, uh, imaginary value. It creates imaginary value that goes up and down based on whim. There is a drought in, or there, you know, there's a fear that the conflict there might affect oil prices, might affect oil prices, stock market tanks. There's, a, there's speculation that the interest rate might be dropped, stock prices rises. In play, they didn't say anything. The, you know, the chairman of the Fed didn't say anything. He just, there's speculation that he might. Inflation, markets rise. Markets fall, all entirely based on you just create a rumor and up and down, up and down, up and down. And then this corruption, it's robbing people of home, it's robbing people of wealth, it's putting people in endless amounts of debt over something that's not even worth it. So for example, I'll give you another example, foreclosures, right? You have a, uh, you have a house, a friend of mine had a house, uh, you know, got it on a mortgage. It was, a, it was worth, uh, I think when the market was good, he bought it at 300000 He bought a house in D.C. And he's on a mortgage. And then he lost his job, and things went tough, and the market tanked, and the, the house is now worth $180,000. Okay? So his mortgage, he has to pay about $450,000 easily on the house. And he's making those payments. If he wants to sell the house right now, how much will it sell for? $180,000. And so even if he sells the house, he's in debt for another 300000 for nothing, 
for like he has nothing in his hand except debt. And what does he say? What do I? Who do I owe this to? A bank for what? For a house, same brick and mortar. So this entire debt was created out of a cloud. Like it's not like he has something physical in his hand. That's not you know there. And then how does a house drop in value like that? How does it? It's still the same brick. It's still the same floors. It's still the same materials, same cabinets, same everything. How does it drop in value? This perceived value, this, this structure, creates so much oppression. It creates so much economic difficulty. And then on top of that, to encourage people, predatory lending practices, you'll have dumb college students going to like soft freshman year, and they'll have all these credit card companies with free candy and credit card applications right outside. You know, you don't have to pay for the first six months. Or let us refinance your home. They'll pay, put the ads, let us refinance your home, which means right now you owe 400,000. Once you refinance, your monthly payments will go down, but now you owe 800,000. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, I should sign up because it'll, it'll resolve my immediate problem. And so you have so much debt on you, you can't even hope to pay it off in your own lifetime. But you know what? You become a culture of minimal payments. The credit card, you make the minimum payment. The mortgage, you make the minimum payment. Right? The car, you make the minimum payment. And you figure, I'll just survive like that because I'm probably going to die before I make all these payments so that the next generation is left in debt. And overall, the entire nation's deficit keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because it's a culture of minimum payment and riba. It's incredible. It's just really incredible what Riba can do. Like the Donald Trump example is like, it's mind-blowing. The guy is so insanely wealthy. But if he paid all of his debts right now, all of them, right now, of all the properties he owns, then he'd be billions in the hole. He wouldn't just be like bankrupt. He would be billions in debt. What does he do? Finances one company, finances one building, pays minimum payments, pays minimum payments. And those payments will take a couple of hundred years. So if Trump in, you know, towers or whatever, they go bankrupt 20 years after he dies, what does he care? That economic collapse is not his problem. He lived his life. He, he enjoyed his celebrity life. Who cares? Riba is about in, enjoying immediate luxury and not worrying about the future consequences of it. That's what riba is. It's socially irresponsible because it destroys futures. It makes the economy, the job market, everything else harder for the next generation. That's what it's rooted in. It creates a culture of debt. It creates a culture of people that know that over the passage of time, know they'll never make it. They'll never be able to provide a future for their children. You know? And when that happens, eventually you create more and more and more crime in a society. More financial crime. You know? More, more like, you know, violent crime, robberies. So people start seeing how, I'm never going to get there. I have no hopes. I'm going to be stuck in this rut forever. This is what riba does. So it's a major evil in our society. And who's going to come with the solution to that? Muslim, young Muslims raised in Dallas that are going to go get a PhD in economics and are going to develop ethically sound, Islamically inspired economic theories for the world. Because the victim of riba isn't just a Muslim. The victim of riba is the world. 
So the world is victimized by riba. That's the, and by the way, riba has many forms, and one of its forms is uh, uh, obscene price hikes. Like an obscene, like if you see demand is high, and you just raise the price like obscenely, because everybody needs your product, right? That's a form of riba. So you know how I was giving you the example of pharmaceutical companies that get a three cent pill selling for eighty five bucks? That's riba. You can't do that. There's an Allah did not say you have to have a twenty percent profit margin, a thirty percent profit margin. Allah did not say that. But Allah did teach us principles of justice. And when it means that you have taken the ability of people away and you've put them in debts just so they can pay their medical bills, now they're not even going into debt to have a nice car or to have a nice house. They're only going to debt so they can continue to breathe. That's an, the ultimate form of oppression. That's evil. That's just evil. Because what are people going to need more than healthcare? You know? And it's the biggest riba industry. SubhanAllah. It's the biggest, biggest riba industry. And they'll put the hospital bills, they'll put penalties on you if you're a week late, then they'll give it to a collections agency. And if you, if you went through the toll, they're actually hoping you don't pay on time. They're hoping you don't pay on time. Because they can tack on a late fee, then a penalty, and then that, there was actually a toll. I went through and I had a rental car. I didn't realize in Chicago I went through a toll at the convention, at the ISNA convention. And it was like $8. And they apparently couldn't find my address or something. And then they finally got a hold of me. Some debt collection agency they called me a couple of months ago. Yeah, you owe $450 to the toll agency in Chicago. I was like, what have I been doing in Chicago in my sleep? You went through a toll. Like, really? I went through, what toll is this? You know? What's the original bill? We can't tell you that, sir. Yeah, you have to tell me what's the original bill. $8. What? It accrues, sir. Tell me about it, it accrues. My God. You know? This, this is riba. This is riba. Un, like unfair pricing. Unfair pricing on things, on charges on people, you know, on ta unfair taxes. There's a, there's a, you know, a Verizon Wireless got caught for like, they had a convenience tax. And they're nobody knew what that meant. <laughs> they just made up a tax, stick it in there. Convenience tax? That's pretty convenient. <laughs> you know? This, while Allah says, you know, this is a world, there are two worldviews. There's the capitalist worldview, like Islam is not against capitalism, but Islam is not capitalism. Islam is morally and socially and ethically responsible capitalism. Venture capitalism is great in Islam, but it's not capitalism run amok. There are, there are ethical limits to it. We're not communism either, where everybody should be the same. We're not that either. We do have investment, we do have enterprise, we do have entrepreneurship, but it has to be socially responsible. Now, I'm, I know this is a big tangent, but it's important enough, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, I'll at least allude to it. You know what we have to do, Muslims, especially in the West that have disposable income? We have to become socially responsible entrepreneurs. So we have to create entrepreneurship institutions that are profiteering. They're, they profit a lot, but their existence creates goodness in society. So the purpose of the institution is to create goodness in society in some way, and then, in order that it do that, it's profitable. 
So the goal for its existence isn't profit. The goal for its existence is goodness. But the business model is so good that it's profitable. Being profitable is not an evil thing. It's actually a responsible thing to do is to go into a smart business and to have a sound business model that it generates income. So it's not something that needs funding. It gives funding. You know, it does that. And at the same time, it creates goodness. To give you an example of that, because there are a lot of young minds here, inshallah, you'll go to business school or whatever other school, but inshallah, all of us will be like good entrepreneurs. Like that, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, I forget the name of the company, but the, uh, this runner went to Brazil and he saw an entire village of people that are running without shoes. Toms? Toms, yeah. Toms. And he wanted to make shoes for them, affordable shoes for them. So he set up a socially responsible business model. I'll make these cheap shoes available to them. Every pair you buy, I'll give one to a child for free. The company profits very well. It's in the millions. Now it's going public. But it's created a lot of good in that society. That's the kind of thing Muslims have to do now. We have to create socially responsible entrepreneurship. And the new definition of power isn't military. The new definition of power isn't you know, uh, uh, swords and weapons and tanks and gunships. The new definition of power is economic power. That's the new definition of power. That's where power rests. Power is not in the hands of the president. Power is in the hands of the conglomerates. Power is in the hands of those that are funding the campaigns. You know, that's, that's where power lies. That's where you have to, you know, that's where we, we, don't, we don't understand these things in a simplistic way. We have to become more sophisticated in our thinking. And inshallah ta'ala, I'm, I'm very confident that here and all over the world, Muslims, they're already starting to and they'll continue to develop more socially responsible entrepreneurship. Let's quickly move on and finish the surah at least. Allahu alladhi khalaqakum thumma razaqakum thumma yumitukum thumma yuhyikum. Allah is the one who created you. Then he, provide, then he provided for you. Then he's the one who gives you death. And then he's the one that will give you life. Hal min shurakaikum man yaf'alu min dhalikum? Is there any of your partners, your associates, those false gods that can do any of that for you? In any way? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Declare his perfection and how high he is. Amma yushrikun. Far above the attributions they make. The associations they make. Corruption came out in the, in the land and in the sea because of what people have earned with their own hands. What are people earning with their own hands in the previous ayat? Riba. What are, what are people doing with their actions? Shirk. And Allah says these things will create enormous amounts of corruption in the land and in the sea. And perhaps no generation of humanity has seen more corruption come as a result of blind greed and riba than our generation. Is there not intense amounts of pollution like never before in the oceans? Is there not intense amounts of corruption in lands and landfills? Even, the, even we're supposed to be like the first world, the, one of the, the, the most powerful nation in the world, and here you have citizens complaining about landfills in their backyard that you know, oil refineries and coal companies, etc. have done, and people have gotten sick. Literal facade in the land and in the sea. And of course, on top of that, there's war, and there's corruption, and there's piracy, and all this other stuff. Because of what people have done with their own hands, لِيُذِيقَهُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي amilu, So that he may make them taste only some of the consequences of what they've done. Allah says, the corruption you see in the world, the wars, the crime, the pollution, is only a small taste of what they've done. If Allah gave you the full taste of what they've done, that would be judgment day. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Hopefully, they're going to return, they're going to come back. قُلْ سِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَانْظُرُوا 
Go tell them, travel or, or, or say, go around in the land and take a look for yourselves. كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلُ كَانَ أَكْثَرُهُمْ مُشْرِكِينَ Tell, look for yourselves, what was the outcome of those people that engaged in, or, 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 or did this before, much before you? Most of them were people of shirk. Allah says most of them were people of shirk. But some of them weren't, but they didn't do anything about it. Some of them just sat around and just watched it happen, didn't care. At least I have bread on my table, but what do I care about what's happening in society? فَأَقِمْ وَجْهَكَ لِلدِّينِ الْقَيِّمِ Then turn your face and establish it for the, the established religion, the upright religion. مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَ يَوْمٌ لَا مَرَدَّ لَهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ Before a day comes that cannot be cancelled out, that cannot be turned back, that cannot recede like waters receding, that day cannot recede from Allah. Allah Against Allah, nobody can come and take the consequences of that day away. The day on which they will be broken up like glass is broken up. They will be broken up. Before we read, They're going to be broken up into groups. Now they're going to be broken up, into, broken up like glass is broken or torn apart. Never to be brought together again. Then on that day when they're broken up, how are they going to be broken up? Whoever disbelieves, then his disbelief will be a liability against him. فَعَلَيْهِ كُفْرُهُ وَمَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا And whoever acted righteously or did the, did the right thing, فَلِأَنفُسِهِمْ يَمْهَدُونَ Then they are for their own selves creating a cradle, a safety net. They're creating... Mahad um, actually in Arabic is the uh, cradle of a mother. So they're creating a place for themselves to relax in. You know, this is actually, you know, the closest thing to this in contemporary language is a retire, retirement plan. A safety net. You ever heard that phrase? Safety net. That I want to have for my future. Whoever did good, they're creating a retirement plan for themselves. A cradle for themselves. So that he may compensate in full those who believed and acted, the, did the few good things expected of them. Min fadlihi out of his favor. In other words, even though they did good deeds, it's Allah's favor that Allah allowed them the opportunity. إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْكَافِرِينَ No doubt, he does not love those who disbelieve. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ يُرْسِلَ الرِّيَاحَ مُبَشِّرَاتٍ And out of his miraculous signs is that he sends the winds that bring with them such powerful good news. Winds bring with them the news of rain coming, the news of or the seasons changing. وَلِيُذِيقَكُمْ مِنْ رَحْمَتِهِ And so that he can make you taste some of his some of his loving mercy. وَلِتَجْرِيَ الْفُلْكُ بِأَمْرِهِ And so that ships, ships sail with his, by His command. Those winds come so that ships may sail properly by His command. And by the way, if you think this doesn't apply to us anymore, because winds, you know, they don't affect ships anymore. We have these gigantic, you know, turbine engines and these large vessels and ships aren't bothered by that anymore. Well, most people don't travel by ship anymore. How do they travel? They travel by air. And when there's wind turbulence, people have to, they, they literally have to change course or ground planes. Because there's wind turbulence. And they have to change, they have to keep, they have to monitor direction of winds in their radar because they have to go accordingly and have to go around turbulent weather. So to this day, we, the, the ships sail by his command. And these airships also. And so that you may pursue out of his favor. I mean, wallahi, the, the, the miracles we've seen the potential for flight was always there, but the fact that we get to see it, right? The fact that you're sitting on a plane with 300 other people, and it's in the air. If you ever just sit and think about that, 
like, what is happening right now? This thing that a crane can't even lift is flying in the air. And it's going to land so nicely that you'll barely feel a bump. SubhanAllah. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, human beings think it's our accomplishment. You know, we figured out the technology of flight and air friction and, you know, uh, uh, momentum and this and that. It was like, you didn't invent momentum. You didn't, you didn't invent air friction. You discovered it. The treasure was already there. You didn't invent metal. It was already there. You didn't invent copper for electricity. It was already there. You didn't invent electricity. It was already there. You didn't make anything. You just used them. The ingredients for all of these things were all by Allah. And the minds you used to put these together are also Allah's. And when Allah said, when Nuh the first ship that was built, the first ship that was built was by Nuh And what did Allah say? I'll give you the architectural design because you don't have it. وَصْنَعِ الْفُلْكِ بِأَعْيُنِنَا Manufacture the ship under our eyes. Well, I'll tell you where to put a plank, how to make this, because for buoyancy you need to have this angle and that angle, and you're going to have that many people and animals. This is how you make their quarters, and you want to put them in this section, because if you put them over here, the ship might sink. The entire architectural design by Allah. And thereafter, everything else is a byproduct. SubhanAllah. وَلِتَبْتَغُوا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ So that you can pursue out of his favors. وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ And so that all of you may be grateful. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ رُسُولًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ And we had already sent, we swear that we had already sent way before you messengers to their nations. فَجَاءُوهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ فَانْتَقَمْنَا مِنَ الَّذِينَ أَجْرَمُوا They came with the clearest proofs. Then we took revenge against those who committed crimes. Messengers didn't want to take revenge. Allah took that revenge. And it had always been that the aid against the believers had especially been a right mandated on us. We will absolutely aid our believers. Allah is the ones, don't forget, that sends the winds. Then they carry. Then they carry and they load the clouds. They lift the clouds like you know you lift the dirt. When you're digging in the earth, تثير الأرض تثير الصحاب The clouds lift by the winds فَيَبْسُطُهُ فِي السَّمَاءِ Then he spreads them out and expands them and stretches them out in the sky كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ However he wants وَيَجْعَلُهُ كِسَفًا And then he makes it light-bodied and layered upon layered فَتَرَ الْوَدْقَ Then you see light, light drench, light rain, drizzle continuous drizzle يَخْرُجُ مِنْ خِلَالِهِ That comes right behind it. فَإِذَا أَصَابَ بِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءَ Then all of a sudden, it, it uh, targets, he targets by means of it whoever he wants. That every drop is targeted. Every drop has its place. مِنْ عِبَادِهِ Upon his slaves, from among his slaves. إِذَا هُمْ يَسْتَبْشِرُونَ Then all of a sudden, they're congratulating one another and they're rejoicing, they're dancing in the rain, running around, having fun in a light drizzle. وَإِن كَانُوا مِن قَبْلُ أَن قَبْلِ أَن يُنَزَّلَ عَلَيْهِم مِن قِبْلِ مِن قِبَلِهِ مِن قَبْلِهِ لَمُبْلِسِينَ And even if this is the case that before he sent it against them, يُنَزَّلَ عَلَيْهِم before it was the, the the rain was sent on them, way before that they were completely hopeless. Rain is never going to come. They were so sad, and ever the first drop they felt, the, their face lit up, especially in societies where there's a drought, and the entire farmland is going to be destroyed. There's a sadness among the people, and then a child feels a drop on his face. 
And his face turns to the sky and he goes crazy. And he goes running, it's gonna rain! And the entire village goes crazy and they're all standing outside and they're like crying out of joy. This scene is de depicted. فَانظُرْ إِلَىٰ آثَارِ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Then look at the remnants, the traces, the clues of the loving mercy of Allah. كَيْفَ يُحْيِي الْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ مَوْتِهَا How he brings life to the earth after it was dead, in, after its death. إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمُحْيِي الْمَوْتَىٰ No doubt it is that one, meaning Allah. He will absolutely be giving life to the dead among you, that is. وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And he's in complete control over all things. وَلَئِنْ أَرْسَلْنَا رِيحًا فَرَأَوْهُ مُصْفَرًّا And had we sent winds against them, فَرَأَوْهُ uh, مُصْفَرًّا They would have looked at them as yellow. لَظَلُّوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ يَكْفُرُونَ They would have remained after that, meaning if they saw the, the rains yellow, meaning they're carrying a lot of wind and it's a storm. Then they, they would have remained in disbelief after that. They would have remained ungrateful after that. They wouldn't have thanked Allah Azza wa Jal. I'll give you guys, a, uh, how much is left of the surah? Let me see. We're almost done. We're almost done. Okay, let's see if we can just finish, inshallah. And you can't make the dead listen. Like Allah talked about the dead earth coming back to life, Allah is now talking about dead hearts. You can't make the dead listen. You can't make the deaf, you know, you can't make them hear the call. إِذَا وَلَّوْ مُدْبِرِينَ When they turn their backs. وَمَا أَنْتَ بِهَادِ الْعُمِي You're not there to guide. You're, you're not at all going to be one to guide the blind. عَنْ ضَلَالَتِهِمْ Away from their misguidance. So many things Allah wanted us to look at in the surah. Your marriage, skies in the earth, ship. Observe this, observe this, observe this. Allah says if they're still blind, you're not going to be able to guide them. In other words, the way you look at these things now should change. And if, if your perspective on life around you doesn't change, you getting stuck in traffic and you don't think that that's a, that like Allah is showing you a sign of how people go to work. And He gives them the ability to go pursue the favor of Allah. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ is from His miraculous signs. If your perspective didn't change, you're still blind. You know, the surah began, they, they know ظَاهِرَةً مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا They know the outwardly of the worldly life. And in the surah, Allah showed us the inwardly. He showed us the other point of view. But if someone only sees the outward and doesn't see the inward, to Allah, he's blind. إِن تُسْبِعُوا إِلَّا مَنْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِآيَاتِنَا فَهُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ You will only make, listen, you will only be able to have the one who believes in the ayat of Allah, in our ayat, and that, that those are the ones that are Muslim, you, you can only make those kinds of people listen. Then they are the ones that submit. Allahu الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ ضَعْفٍ Allah is the one who made you from weakness. You were created from a weak fluid. You were created from weak bones. You had to be held with care. Your skull, you couldn't even like, you know, they tell you not to hold a head. Because the skull is too soft. Hold it from behind. Be careful in how you, you don't even hold it up because the neck might, you know, Break. The, how many kids, even when they're being delivered, their clavicle breaks easily, easiest bone to break. You know, kid comes out with the broken bones. You're so fragile. You're so, so fragile. And then he made you, uh, way after that weakness, he made you, you know, uh, uh, he made a strong strength. In other words, you know, the same kid that you were holding in your hand, this little boy, and now he's taller than you, mom. He's taller than dad. And he says, dad, 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 don't pick up the couch. I got it. Ugh. 
boom. You know? That same kid. And he was like this little. I used to hold him around. And then he got to the stage of strength. Then after that strength comes another time of weakness. And you just ah, leaning back, old age, you start wrinkling. You know, then you're like, then you get to the point where you're just, you know, somebody asks you, could you move that chair? You move the chair like, ah! I pulled a muscle when I was picking up that chair. You want to go play basketball, Dad? I can't, I can't. And he shoots one ball, he goes, ah, man. They make them heavy nowadays, don't they? Allah will make you weak again. وَشَيْبَةً And then comes the white hair. Shayba, grayness, the white hair. Shaybuka na'ik, huh? Your gray hair is a sign of your, the alarm of death. It's like the plant withers and it loses its color. Your hair is withering and losing its color. What's next? The plant is going to die. It's going to be gone. <laughs> You're withering. I'm withering. You notice the first gray hair. Right? Boink. Second gray hair, you take a marker. But it keeps on happening, you know. And how people, how much we, we support the hair color industry. I, don't ask me if hair color is haram or not. I don't care. You know what I care about? People wanting to be in denial. People can't accept they're getting old. Accept it. Embrace it. How would you get a color? Even the hair on your arm is going to turn white, man. Even that's going to turn. What, are you going to keep coloring this? What are you going to do? You have to accept it. وَشَيْبَةً يَخْلُقُ He creates مَا يَشَاءُ Whatever He wants. وَهُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْقَدِيرُ And He's all-knowing. He knows every stage of life you go through. And He's got it all calculated exactly when you're going to turn, exactly when's the first time you're going to feel like, whoa, what's that thing in my back? What is that? First, first time you run out of breath, Running around, you used to run like a horse when you're playing basketball. And then a couple of years later, hey, let me just go play with a couple of teenagers. And they were still running around, you're like, <gasps> you know. He calculates how much your lungs can hold, what capacity you have, and when you're going to die. The day on which the, the hour stands, the hour rises. The criminals are going to swear, They didn't live in worldly life other than one hour. They look at their whole life and it feels like, man, that was just, what was I in this world for an hour? That is how they're going to be turned away. People that have been given knowledge and faith are going to say, you remained under the book of Allah. In the book of Allah means in the verdict of Allah. The, 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 until the time Allah decided for you, until the day of being raised again. فَهَذَا يَوْمُ الْبَعْثِ Then this is the day of being raised. وَلَكِنَّكُمْ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ But you were people that you didn't just you didn't used to know, you didn't used to know or care. فَيَوْمَ إِذِنْ لَا يَنْفَعُ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مَعْذِرَتَهُمْ On that day, those who did wrong will not be able to benefit. Their 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 uh, excuse will not be able to benefit them. مَعْذِرَةُهُمْ مَعْذِرَةُ يعني A justification, a rationale. Please don't punish me, I got an excuse. I have a reason. Like Hudhud gave a ma'adhira. 
Remember the bird? I got some intelligence, important intelligence information. That's ma'adhira. Okay? So they say, you know, uh, Allah says actually, on that day they will try to present it. Uh, we didn't know. Because the previous ayah almost gives them an excuse. We didn't know. Allah says, how come you didn't know? You're in the age of knowing. The messengers around you, you didn't know. You didn't hear. You didn't know. You didn't want to know. You didn't think it was important. Your excuse is no good here. وَلَاهُمْ يُسْتَعْتَبُونَ and they're not going to be given any relief from exhaustion. They're not going to be given any courtesy. Ta'ib is to be exhausted. Yusta'atab or yasta'atib is to remove disturbance, remove exhaustion. Remove a complaint also. They're not going to be the ones whose, whose problems are going to be addressed. وَلَقَدْ ضَرَبْنَا لِلنَّاسِ فِي هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ مِنْ كُلِّ مَثَلٍ And we already have in this, for, for, for all people, in this Qur'an, we've given all kinds of examples. We've struck all form of example. وَلَا إِنْ جِئْتَهُمْ بِآيَةٍ And even if you were to come to them with a miracle, لَيَقُولُنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا مُبْطِلُونَ Then those who disbelieve are going to just turn around and say, you are just trying to prove us wrong. You're just a mubtil. You just want to prove that everything we do is wrong. You just hate our, our ways. You're just trying to make it, to, to cancel out our work, cancel out our lifestyle. إِنْ أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا مُبْطِلُونَ كَذَلِكَ يَطْبَعُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ That is how Allah places a, a mark, a seal. طَبَعُ A seal. And طَبَعُ also means nature. طَبَعُ in Arabic means nature. Meaning nature is set a certain way, like a seal is set. It won't move now, it's become its nature. عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ On the hearts of those who have no knowledge. They refuse to learn. فَاسْبِرْ You just be patient. إِنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقٍّ No doubt the promise of Allah is true. وَلَا يَسْتَخِفَّنَّكَ الَّذِينَ لَا يُقِنُونَ Very beautiful ending of the surah. Don't allow those who don't have any conviction to consider you light, to consider you powerless. You know in the surah in the beginning, your side, the Romans, lost. And at the end of the surah, the Prophet is told, don't let them make poke fun at you because they don't believe. And don't let them underestimate your strength, the Muslim strength, because you're just a few in number. You're weak. And even the people that are like you are weak, the Romans lost. Don't let them do that. And don't let yourself think that you are weak, that you're lightweights, that you have nothing compared to the enemy. لا from خفيف, خفا. خفا means lightness. They assume you to be light. They think you're light, you're, you're nothing. And this is one of the tactics of the oppressor. Fir'aun wanted to, the Bani Israel to believe that they have yastakhifannahum, uh, istakhaffahum. Okay, istakhaffahum. He wanted to keep them light so they don't develop any confidence in themselves. Don't lose confidence. Their put-downs on you should not make you lose confidence. And this is the thing that now, today, we have to teach our youth. Because Islam is being made fun of and made light of all the time. All the time. This is the ayat of confidence. Don't, let the, don't consider yourself light or weak or our religion is such an easy target or you know, why are there so many things wrong with Islam, etc, etc, etc. Don't go down that road. The promise of Allah is true. And these people that have no conviction, don't give them the, don't give them the right to talk to you this way. Don't let them speak to you in this matter. لا يستخفنك الذين لا يقينون So that, with that, inshallah, we'll conclude Surah Ar-Rum. Um, we have about an hour left, so inshallah I'll give you 10 minutes and we'll try to do as much as we can of Surah Luqman. It's a short surah, 
but it's some really awesome discussion. Barakallahu li wa lakum, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.